Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and my guest in today's episode is Dr. Josie DeVidio. Mismanaged stress coupled with physical pain forced Dr. Josie to sell her practice and exit clinical dentistry before she reached the age of 50. She turned to yoga and meditation to get healthy again, and it helped so much that she started a business helping other dentists use yoga to deal with the rigors of practice. In the process, Dr. Josie became a registered yoga teacher and certified wellness consultant. In our conversation, we dive into how yoga can help dentists, plus much more. As a reminder, our affiliated firm, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists nearing clinical retirement reduce their lifetime tax bill and replace their practice income so they don't have to compromise on the lifestyle they love. If you are interested in financial guidance on your exit from dentistry, Schedule an initial consultation with us on our website, which is dentistexit.com. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Josie DeVidio. All right, Dr. Josie DeVidio, welcome to Dentist Puns and Money. I am excited to hear your story. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sean. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I like to start with a little bit of background for the audience so they know who you are, where you came from, and kind of what your career arc in dentistry has been to this point. Could you start by just sharing a little bit about the Reader's Digest version uh, of your story? Yeah. So I uh, actually got into the dental field when I was in high school. I was looking for a part-time job that paid more than McDonald's. <laughs> I went to the job board at my high school and there were dental offices hiring for some part-time work. So I got a job there at a local dental office and they taught me a bunch of things. And I liked the atmosphere. I, you know, growing up, I loved going to the dentist. I never had an aversion to that. And so over the years, I worked at a few different offices. The dentist taught me to do a lot of things. I became a dental assistant. And then, you know, at some point, when I was in college, one of my bosses said, you know, you pretty much know how to do everything in a dental office. You just need to go to dental school now to learn how to do the procedures. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, you know, fast forward, I graduated from dental school. I did a two-year residency. And then in my second year, I started my dental practice from scratch, renting space from another dentist in a private practice. And then I practiced for 22 years until um, I, you know, decided that I was not managing my stress well. Well, to be fair, my body decided that I was not managing my stress well. And I made a very difficult decision to sell my practice and take a break. How did that manifest itself? You said your body kind of decided you were done with clinical dentistry. What were some of the signs and symptoms that led you to believe that? Well, you know, for years I had ignored the telltale signs of neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain. Everybody has those in dentistry and we kind of chalk it up to just part of the gig. And in some ways it is, but it really doesn't have to be that bad. And then as I was ignoring that long enough, there were other stress-related issues that were manifesting predominantly high cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone. And of course, I managed to ignore that long enough too. And it got to the point where I was starting to lose hair. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't really digesting my food. So I would go and eat lunch and you know come back looking like I was about to give birth. I mean, it was a really weird experience. I would get so bloated. You know, hindsight being 2020, I 
Now we know that is a, a physical manifestation of mismanaged stress, and it can lead to a whole host of other problems, you know, even leading up to death for some people. So there were a lot of signs. I was just really good at ignoring them. <laughs> so you practiced clinical dentistry for, I think you said, 22 years. How much of that 22 years was a lot like what you just described and, and how you were living day to day while you were practicing? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think the mental stress started relatively early on, right? I mean, I think dental school makes us type A people neurotic to a certain extent to begin with, right? We're working in millimeters and half a millimeters and quarter millimeters. But then once I graduated, you know, everyone's excited to start practicing and to see patients and, and putting to use all this knowledge. And so I would say maybe after four or five years in, I can remember starting to have mental stress that, again, I wasn't probably dealing with well. And what that looked like is what I think it looks like for a lot of people, which would be like, you know, oh, it's been a rough day. I think a martini would be nice to help calm the stress, right? Or I think a whole pan of brownies sounds good. I mean, just making not the healthiest choices but thinking that we're like taking the edge off. Yeah. And maybe even from there, like a lot of people are looking for not just those ways to solve the problem that you mentioned, but like buy another practice or take another CE class, just different ways to try to figure out a better way to do dentistry. What led you eventually to yoga and how, what was the initial response with that, as you were trying to, to find different solutions to deal with the stress and the demands of, of practicing? You know, I get asked that question a lot. I don't even remember the first yoga class I took. I mean, I've been doing yoga for such a long time. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who have like these yoga epiphanies. Like I can remember the first time I took this yoga class and it changed my life. I wouldn't say my story was like that. I think it was just like, oh, this is cool. Um, I'm gonna try this and it felt good. And so I would go periodically. It wasn't until, of course, years later that I learned why it felt good and how good it actually is for our bodies, for our mental health, and, you know, the science behind that. And so it's been an integral part of my healing process post-selling of my practice. But if I would have understood back then what I understand now, it could have really helped save me a lot of stress and agony throughout my career. So just to clarify sort of the timeline, you had discovered and were using or doing yoga on some level before you left clinical dentistry, but you didn't fully understand how to embrace the full benefits of it in a way that could sort of save you from selling your practice? That is absolutely correct. Yeah. I just knew that if I went once in a while, it felt good, you know, and because my mindset was, well, I'm in dentistry and my practice is very busy. So of course my body hurts. You know, like I just accepted that as normal and natural. And so I'd go to yoga, you know, maybe once or twice a week. And that was more for like, you know, people go to the gym. I would go to the gym sometimes and sometimes I would go to yoga class, but I, I wasn't really tapping into the full potential and full benefit of what that particular mode of, let's say, exercise or body awareness, body maintenance can really do for people who have high stress jobs like dentists. Was there a big tipping point or an inflection point where you decided that you had to get out for your health of clinical dentistry? Or was it more a case of sort of death, figuratively speaking, by a thousand paper cuts? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it was getting progressively worse in terms of my stress and burnout, right? And I had been burnt out a few times in my career. And I think there's a statistic, you know, I I don't remember exactly if it's the ADA, but there is a statistic that, you know, 84% of dentists experience burnout in their careers. And a lot of those people experience it multiple times. And I was one of those multiple time burnout people. And so I would get really burnt out and then maybe I would take a vacation or change something in my practice that would sort of uh, alleviate or take the edge off, but not really solve my problem. And so towards the end, when I had to make this decision, I had really gotten to the point where even though my practice was successful, even though all things on paper were going well, I hated my patients. I was starting to hate my staff. I hated that I had to get up and go do this job. And mind you, I was the kind of person who loved dentistry for many, many years. So it just goes to show how the mental toll that the stress can take, where it takes something that you are enjoying, that you're good at, that you're you know, financially successful doing, but it just makes it look really ugly to you. How did you eventually come to that decision? Because it wasn't just stopping practicing clinical dentistry for a period of time. I mean, you owned a practice. So the decision to sell one, and everyone knows how hard it is to build a successful one to begin with. That's not right. something that I'm guessing you took lightly. How did you eventually come to that decision? And what were some of the factors, as much as you're willing to share, that went into you making the final decision to walk away? Sure. So I did not have it in my mind to sell my practice. I was starting to do all the traditional things people do like, okay, well, let me drop some PPO plans that'll reduce my volume of patients, maybe make work easier. And I did that and it didn't really reduce my volume. It made me more profitable because the fee schedules were better, but it didn't really reduce my volume. Then it's like, okay, well, maybe I should get an associate, right? So I'm I'm doing like the typical things that just do. And my associate is someone I had been mentoring for about a decade right? It was a college student I had met when I was volunteering at a free clinic and her and I hit it off and she wanted to go to dental school. So I I spent a lot of time mentoring her. And then when she graduated from dental school, you know, she was working elsewhere, but I said, well, you know what? I'm looking for an associate now. So if you want to come work with me, you know, let's make it happen. So we did that. And in some ways it did help, but in other ways it didn't, right? Because now there's a new doctor to manage and all the intricacies of adding that level of uh, expansion to your practice. And so it was still, you know, a lot of band-aids that Mm. weren't really solving the problem. And so then one day my associate came to me and she said, you know what, I've worked in a few other offices and I'd really like to talk to you about becoming a partner and buying into the practice. And my, (laughs) my thought was like, this just kind of came out of my mouth. Like, again, I wasn't looking to sell right? I was just looking to make my life a little bit easier. So I I didn't hate it so much. And so I I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm already married at home. I don't want to be married at work too, you know, but if you want to buy the whole practice, I'll sell it to you. And it came out of my mouth and I was like, what did I just say? You know, like, because again, this is not on the radar at all. And so we started having a conversation of what that might look like. And all of a sudden, for me, it was like, okay, this sale needs to happen right away. Like it couldn't happen fast enough. And so I sold it to her with the, you know, the the conversation was, well, take some time off, get your health in order, feel better. And when you're ready to come back, there's always a spot for you. Like she wanted to work together, which was lovely. 
Then, you know, fast forward, the pandemic happened and the industry changed. And I used that time off, not just to work on myself personally, but to reevaluate what it is that I really wanted in life. So I haven't gone back to clinical dentistry just yet, but I do have some opportunities to do that that I'm exploring. So yeah, I don't know if I answered your original question. I went off on a tangent. (laughs) No, you did. I'm just, I'm curious because as much as you're willing to share, I mean, this is my experience in being a financial advisor working with dentists is that, you know, they have an expectation about the income they're going to produce from practicing dentistry uh, on an ongoing basis. And a lot of times they build a life and a lifestyle around that expectation. And just all things being equal, that lifestyle tends to be a little bit better than the average American maybe lives. So uh, what I'm getting at is how much was it a financial consideration as much as you're willing to share? And, you know, you've probably either got some decisions to make about how you're going to handle things moving forward that way if you're not going to be earning a dentist owner's level of income for the next 20 years like maybe you thought you would yeah i mean that's an excellent point because when you have a practice that you consider successful it's like golden handcuffs right and that's what kept me practicing for a long time even though i wasn't feeling great and so and i was young to make this decision by the way right i wasn't even 50 years old Mm -hmm. I was like, um, I don't know, 48 or something. I'll have to do the math. But yeah, the thing I had going for me is that I had options because my husband has a nice job and I was making good money and we were being financially prudent and good stewards of that money and financially planning well. And so we could afford for me to make that decision because even though I had a saleable asset and I sold my practice at the height of the market, because any other changes I was going to make to the practice to suit my stress level were going to actually bring down the value right? because I tried all the things to make it easier already. And so I was in a financial position to make that decision, but a lot of dentists are not. A lot of dentists are not. And so a lot of the work I'm doing now is to help dentists manage their stress better but also to point them in the direction of you need to get your financial ducks in a row uh, so that, God forbid, you have to make a hard decision like that, you can do so. Now, does that mean I, you know, we lived the exact lifestyle that we had when we were, were both working? Not necessarily. I mean, it didn't change drastically because, like I said, we were planning well, but for a lot of people, it would, right? If you go down 50% in your income, that's going to make a big difference for people. But people who work and have the kind of lifestyle that we have, like you said, they really need to be monitoring their financial health as well as their physical health and mental health because you don't know what's going to happen and when. So we know sort of how the story ends a little bit in that you found yoga and or you leaned in more to yoga and now work with dentists all over the country to help them learn how yoga can help them be, be be a better dentist and a happier dentist. Did you leave clinical dentistry with that expectation or maybe just talk about how you evolved into that from where you were three years ago or so when you left uh, and sold your practice? Sure. Yeah, no, I had no plans. My idea was I'm going to sell this and I'm going to like ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. And that's what a lot of dentists who are burnt out think or feel, right? Like the source of the problem is the dental practice. And so if I get rid of the practice, I get rid of all of my problems. And on this side of it, and what most 
life coaches, wellness consultants, therapists will tell you, wherever you go, there you are. So whatever mindsets, whatever thought processes, whatever bad habits or lack of good habits got you into the stress mode, the overwhelm, the burnout with dentistry, just follow you into your next thing, right? And so my initial plan was to do nothing. Um, and then guess what? I am very aggressive, a very intense about doing nothing too, right? So I ended up, you know, spending a lot of time in personal growth mode, doing all of the physical doctor appointments, the mental doctor appointments. And then I just decided, you know what? I think I'm going to get yoga teacher certified. And my intention with that was not even to teach yoga. It was that I wanted to understand yoga better. And so it was really, again, for like personal growth. And then as I was understanding why yoga makes me feel good and why um, this is helpful and been around for such a long time and why people are constantly talking about meditation and its benefits. You know, then I, I was like, wow, why isn't this like a thing for dentists? Why don't dentists know about this? Right. Because it would really help the dental industry. And so that's how this evolved for me. I did not really set out to do any of it. But as I left clinical dentistry and I was starting to share my story predominantly on Facebook, right? In some dental Facebook groups. And I was trying to tell people like, hey, you're stressed out. You should try this. You should do that. Then people would start DMing me mm -hmm. and sharing their stories and telling me about their experience, which was oddly similar to mine. And so all of a sudden, now I'm spending a bulk of my week that I'm supposedly not working <laughs> talking to burnt out dentists. And so it ended up evolving because I could see that there was a need for this kind of information to get out and to get out in a maybe efficient, concise way, and that people were thirsty for it. They wanted this. And so um, I ended up getting some additional training so that I could figure out how to best help the dental community. And now, you know, I'm a certified wellness consultant. I'm a registered yoga teacher. And I'm a dentist who has lived the life of a burnt out dentist. And so, you know, I, I take people through a program and we do group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I'm, I'm helping people from getting to the point that I got to and had to sell, right? Because people are understanding that without the change in mindset and without the care for, you know, this is the only body you're ever going to have. It doesn't matter what you pivot out of dentistry to do. You know, it's not going to matter if you're not addressing these other things. So I am a, I'm a yoga novice. I have never tried it. I've tried and continue to try meditation on a somewhat regular basis, but I, I give you that backdrop and, and the context for my question, which is how someone has never tried yoga before. How can yoga help you? What are the benefits of it? So to make a long story short, most dentists that are stressed out, they're stuck in this sympathetic response. It's an auto, uh, autonomic nervous system pathway, which are just like, you know, big words to mean you're in fight or flight mode all the time. Your nervous system thinks you're being chased by a lion all the time. So it's just always stressed out. And dentists don't do a very good job of shutting that down and slipping into the parasympathetic response, the um, rest and digest mode. And so, 
the main way that yoga and meditation help is to calm the nervous system down and to allow your body time and space to slip into this calmer state. And it is hard for a lot of people, you know, especially if they've never done it before, because it is a slower moving pace than we're used to moving at. It's a slower pace than our culture says is good, right? Because we live in a hustle culture. Mm-hmm. Go, 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 do, 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 produce, produce, produce. And so we get stuck in that mode. And so the slower moving yoga, right? Because there's a lot of yoga styles. There's like faster yoga, like vinyasa yoga. There's like power yoga where basically you're just, you know, doing high intensity interval training with a few yoga poses thrown in. (laughs) Those are not the things that I'm talking about. I'm talking about traditional, you know, Hatha yoga, um, yin yoga, restorative yoga. So there are yoga styles that are slower with the intention of tapping into that rest and digest mode, getting the body to calm down. Because when your body is able to have space to restore itself, then when you do go back to work, you can actually be more efficient, more productive, and enjoying the work more. Is what you teach specific to dentists or like how much of it is general yoga, but like your ability to communicate it as a dentist probably resonates better with dentists who are receiving that information because you know exactly what it's like to be a stressed out dentist. Correct. Yeah. I would say it's predominantly the second one, meaning I am teaching yogic concepts, mindset concepts, meditation, you know, concepts, guiding people through these things. But I also, because my body has done the work that their body does, I understand how to modify certain yoga poses for dentists to get the benefit, right? So for example, predominantly dentists are holding instruments with both hands and their arms are internally rotating uh, in the shoulder socket. And so a lot of poses, yoga poses that require that I'm able to modify so that maybe we're activating more of an external rotation, right? Giving our musculoskeletal imbalances, if you will, some attention so that they can relieve some of the aches and pains of dentistry. How do you work with dentists? You're located in in California. Do you have geographic limitations or what's sort of the the best way that you can help someone uh, with location being or not being uh, an inhibitor? Right. I predominantly do virtual yoga classes and online offering that I offer to my Facebook group and Instagram following, uh, which is at, you know, yoga for dentists. And so I create these classes and I'm trying to expand my offering. It's just sort of hard because I'm working with a lot of clients and and that's my first priority, right? The one-on-one stuff. But I do offer virtual classes that way. I was teaching locally and I did have some dental colleagues come to those classes and that was super cool. But it was also a little complicated with the pandemic and the masking and the not masking and all of that. And that just became a little challenging. So I stopped doing live. Uh, in-person yoga, but I I am asked to go to various dental meetings and teach yoga live. I have that coming up. Uh, For example, next month, I'm going to be teaching yoga for dentists in Las Vegas. So that's going to be a cool event and I'll get to meet a lot of my followers live that way. Yeah, that just occurred to me. There's no shortage of dental conferences (laughs) ongoing any given day or week. So that's that'd be a really good opportunity to, to do it live as well. 
what's the response been? What's some of the feedback you've received from dentists that you've worked with? And, you know, what's the transformation been for some of your clients? Well, the if we're talking about my signature program, which is the Crown of Wellness program, the transformation in my clients has been like I couldn't have predicted it, right? Because again, I didn't set out to do it. It was just kind of like, here, here's what I'm learning, here's what I've learned, here's what you should do. And so many of these clients come in and this is like their last ditched effort. Like, if this doesn't help me, I'm selling it. Okay. Like I have no skin in the game if people choose to sell their practice or not, right? I mean, that's what I did. So they're coming in They're you know, usually by like the second or third week of working together, they're understanding their life in a different way and they're starting to make changes and have relief. And usually by their time they're done with their program, they just have a completely new outlook, right? And I'm not trying to paint the picture that it's like all like unicorns and rainbows when they're done because life in dentistry is hard, but there are certain mindsets and perspectives you really need to take if you want to do a good job. And if you want to have longevity in this career, because there is more to life than dentistry. And a lot of people lose sight of that. Yeah, I had to laugh. I think in the bio that you filled out for me and the intake form for the podcast, you described yourself as the type of dentist that would go on vacation and read journals about dentistry for fun while yes. you're on vacation. And I, I think that would resonate with a lot of people probably listening. It resonated with me because that's kind of the type of financial advisor I am that it's really hard to turn off sometimes. Yeah. And it is hard. It's hard because we invest so much time and training and being a dentist is really a calling for people. You know, it's not like you just devote so much of your time and you're really caring for people. But sometimes we care so much about certain things and not enough about other things. And it's that imbalance that leads to a lot of stress and burnout. So it's just also a matter of recalibrating and reminding yourself of what is meaningful in your life outside of dentistry and investing enough time, effort, you know, even money into just making sure those things are in order as well. What's the future hold for you? I know you can't completely uh, dictate what it's going to be, but you've floated the idea that since you've been clinically retired for three and a half years and gone deeper into yoga, you maybe see a path back to clinical dentistry on some level. Will you continue the yoga for dentists sort of side hustle, if you could call it that, no matter what? Or what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So I mentioned I have an opportunity to go back and do some clinical dentistry. I know my former practice would take me back in a second. I don't know that I need to revisit that at this point. I feel like I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish there. I don't know how helpful it would be to have me there. And so that's something that's still open for me, but I haven't made any, any decisions about. I also have another opportunity to go help out a clinic that I am fond of and like to support. And that's a little bit less structured in terms of, you know, they don't need me there full time and there's certain parameters that I would work within. And, and that feels like a better way to give back to my you know patients and the dental community and helping out in that way. And so I'm exploring all of those things. You know, a lot of people say, do you miss dentistry? Because you were that kind of dentist who did take journals on vacation <laughs> for fun. And, you know, it's odd because when I made the decision to sell it, I mean, like I ugly cried about it for like weeks on end because it was so much a part of my identity and who I was. And there are certain things that I miss, but the things that I thought I would miss, I don't really miss. 
And so, uh, you know, my, my new mindset, if I went back to clinical slash when I go back to clinical, I think I'm going to appreciate it so much more um, because my mindset is different. And so the odd thing is I'm considering these opportunities and my husband's like, when are you going to have time to go back and do clinical dentistry? Because I am so busy with my clients now. So I don't know what the long-term future holds for me. Uh, here's what I do know. As someone who used to have to plan everything, you know, I, I wanted to know what was happening, you know, not just six months in advance, but like a year and had all these like plans and goals and whatever is I have learned to appreciate that it's okay to let things naturally evolve, right? And again, I'm in a financial position where I can do that, right? Because, you know, they say money doesn't buy happiness or money doesn't buy this or that. But what money does buy is the ability to make certain choices without extra stress. And so, I'm assuming just by the nature of your podcast that you have dentists who listen, who are inclined to care about money. And so my encouragement to them would be to definitely get your financial house in order, you know, And, and that doesn't mean like, for example, some of you listening are like, but I have so much debt, I can't get my financial house in order. Well, yes, you can. You can have a plan for that. You can have an investment plan, a retirement plan. I, you know, I know so many dentists who are what I would call mid-career dentists and they don't have a retirement plan. And it's like, well, you know, time goes by fast. You need to be paying attention to that stuff, you know, yesterday. So um, so anyway, that's the, the long-winded answer to say, I don't know what the future holds, but I am thankful to be in a financial position where I'm comfortably uh, able to allow things to evolve uh, naturally. Good stuff. As we start to wrap up here, is there anything that we haven't hit on directly that you think would be important to mention or communicate to the audience? Yeah, I think the number one thing people say to me is, you know what, I'm intrigued by the idea of yoga and meditation, but I'm not flexible enough to do yoga and I can't sit still enough to meditate. And so what I want to say to that is you don't have to be flexible to do yoga. You do yoga to become flexible over time. You don't have to be able to sit still to meditate, right? There's different forms of meditation. You can do a walking meditation. You can do a visual meditation where you watch something on a screen, right? You can, there's so many different forms of meditation, but also it's the same concept. You practice meditation so that you can learn how to sit still. It's kind of like saying, I don't want to play tennis. I don't know how to play tennis, so I'm just not going to do it. Well, you you go to and you take tennis lessons to learn, right? So that's the one of the big things that I hear about, right? People drop into my DMs with this, like, I want to do it, but I don't think I can. Well, you can do, you know, if you can go to dental school and you can run a practice, you can learn how to do yoga and learn how to sit still. And I haven't tried yoga and now I'm a little bit intrigued by it, but uh, I have tried meditation, as I mentioned, at a really basic level. And it's funny because I pay for this app that I use and I pretty much use the same one lesson like every time. And it's just 10, <laughs> 10 deep breaths in a row. Like right. Point being, what I found has helped me is just start really, really small and really lower the bar. I think for someone like me and type A personality as well, and probably like a lot of dentists listening, you don't have to be like really good at it when you first start, just really lower the bar. 
right <laughs> and any sort of progress is good progress i think and i'm not trained in this stuff but that's just my real world experience yeah absolutely progress over perfection even if you can just breathe with your eyes closed or even with a soft gentle gaze if your eyes closed it makes you uncomfortable right even if you do it for one minute that's basically meditation it's just a, allowing your brain some time to slow down and catch up. So let's end on a light note. Uh, the name of the podcast is Dentist Puns and Money. Do you have a silly dental joke you'd like to share with the audience? You know, I usually like to use the puns of like, you know, dentistry is a grind. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the pun I usually use in my social media posts. You know, dentistry can be a grind, but there are ways to make it more pleasant. And for anyone listening that would like to learn more about Yoga for Dentists and, and what your offerings and, and helpful tips are, what's the best way to find more information, Josie? I typically, like I mentioned, hang out on Facebook at Yoga for Dentists. I have a private Facebook group there. If you're a dentist, you're welcome to join us there. We have a lot of like-minded people, people who are seeking to just live well, right? Live optimally while also doing this career. I do have an Instagram account, which is also at Yoga for Dentists. You can reach me through email, which is Josie at yogafordentist.net. And you can also jump on my newsletter uh, list, which to be, you know, transparent, I'm not awesome about putting out emails consistently because again, I'm in this new go with the flow mode. Uh, so you're not going to get bombarded with a bunch of emails, but periodically, if I send you an email, it's, it's going to be something good, right? I'm not trying to... Um, clog up your inbox, but I am offering an opt-in to that. And it's through crownofwellness.com forward slash lower back yoga. And what you'll get is a like PDF of a simple yoga routine that you can do at home to give your lower back some attention. And that's crownofwellness.com forward slash lower back yoga. Yes. We will link that in the show notes. That is Dr. Josie DeVideo, founder of Yoga for Dentists and certified wellness instructor. Dr. Josie, thank you for sharing your story, your expertise, and for being our guest today on Dentist Puns and Money. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. It's been fun. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical, or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like to learn more about ways to reduce your taxes and generate income from your assets in retirement? Our affiliated firm, Dentist Exit Planning, might be able to help you with those two things. Schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is dentistexit.com. There's no obligation for your initial consultation. Again, schedule that initial consultation at dentistexit.com. As for our disclosure, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. 
Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.